East Tennessee's premier sports radio call-in show. This is The Drive. Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to another stellar edition of The Drive here on Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith punching the time clock at 3.01 on a Tuesday afternoon edition of the show as it is a balmy 51 degrees outside the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. I'm freezing right now. Really? Yeah, I left my... uh... I was wearing a t-shirt backpack in the car you have a jacket oh no i've got a jacket over there uh my headphones never warmed up i just strapped them on second day in the in a row that we've started out with complaints of body parts being cold you want me to come over and warm your ears up for you now you kick out and get my thermostat up a thermostat up a notch new management has declared 65 that's the temperature. You want to be the guy to that messes with the thermostat? I've never been messing with the thermostat guy. I've always respected the sanctity of the thermostat because I wasn't allowed to touch it growing up. Yeah. My father ruled that thing with an iron fist. It's a sacred covenant. Much like the Mad King. Oh, I, I hate it when somebody's messed with my thermostat. At, the, at home, at the house. When I've got because I oh yeah I mean I check first thing in the morning last thing before I go to bed like I I know I know it's at sixty eight degrees right now at Stately Smith Manor and it better be at sixty eight when it, if if I come back and it's at sixty nine would it be nice see what I did there sixty seven like anything else like no that's that's my house it's my thermostat I make the rules yeah sixty eight huh that's the that's the number. Uh, That's what mine said. Right, right now, when it's when it's really cold outside, like I, not smart. Last night, I treated myself and warmed up, and, and I cranked that baby up to seventy. And ooh, it was, yeah, it was ooh. Nice and I hang. I typically hang between sixty nine and seventy two. Anything higher or lower than that's mm-hmm. just not good. What about when you leave town? Like you're going to a beach week, July. It's ninety seven outside. What are you leaving on when you leave? I mean, it's probably somewhere down in the 60s. What? Huh? Well, Beach under, week. Just slightly under 70. Oh, I, Beach I, week. Yeah. So the 70s, idea is I said, you crank it up. Like 77. I, le- I leave mine on 80. Really? So so really? that I don't come back. Yeah, because nobody's going to be there. I just like, turn it off. You turn it off? Yeah. I don't think about these things regularly. Well, I want my house to be cool, like, but not... I, I don't want to come back to a big electrical bill. You don't think about these things because you're still an apartment dweller. That is true. When you become a homeowner, when you become a man, Tucker, and you <laughs> you you worry about these things. No offense. You worry about these things. I understand. The the bills. Do you really? Do you really understand? I understand that I haven't reached that point in life yet. That's what I mean. I get so mad last week at my wife and kids because – they will come back, and kids will come back from playing outside in the snow, just covered in snow, right? Mm. And so they'll open the door, the front door, and come in, and they're taking all their stuff. And they're like, close the door! Yeah. I mean, they're just standing there with the door open for two minutes. 
Letting all the hot air out and I cold know. air in. That's money. That's just money flying out. Yeah. That's the sound of money flying out out of my pocket into the stratosphere. Yeah, my pop, he'd, he'd just tell you, there goes that game you were wanting. Floating out the window. Yep. That's good. I'm going to use that. With an iron fist. There goes dinner tonight. Well done. I had such a – I was so happy. Here, Here's an old man thing. Like, the things that give you pleasure in your 40s that you never even thought about as a younger man. Last night, I'm coming home. My, my car, like all of yours, is covered in the salt and dust and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. And my windshield is just a mess. And it's over 32 degrees, so, in the like, I've been wanting to clear off the windshield. But I know it's all frozen. All the, the squeegee things are all mm-hmm, frozen. Mm-hmm. And last night, it's it's warm enough, so I stopped by the Weigels on the way home, and they've got a great squeegee. That, and that's one thing. Like, a, n- nothing beats a really good squeegee. You know, one that's not torn. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, Sometimes yeah, you yeah. get that one that's torn and hanging off. The squeegee's not working. Like, this is brand new, out of the wrapper. The sponge is good. The rubber squeegee part is good. And I'm going to town, man. I'm getting all the grime off. Made two sweat. Did the back windshield yep, too. Yep, yep. Got to do both. I got my backup camera. Had gotten some debris on it, and it was looking nasty. Really cleaned that thing off. It's like in sparkling 4K high def now, man. <laughs> oh, that felt good. Driving home, just like looking out that. Oh man, nothing. A clean windshield. Mm. Great. I splurged for the monthly car wash package. Really? Yeah. Oh. How much does that run you a month? Nineteen. Unlimited car washes, nineteen bucks. But I I got the premier package, so it's like twenty nine. Dollar a day. <laughs> I wash my car probably six times a month. High rolling cress over here. Goodness. It's a dollar a day. Houston uh, cress. How, how many? To be, to how many times do you go? About six times a month. Really. Multiple times a week. Okay, yeah, sometimes. Like if it's rained or like this week, you know. Like well, yeah, you, but I'm, I've kind of looked at the long range yeah. weather just to see when I'm get that window. Before I'll go do it, you, I got to have at least three days of sunshine. Yeah, forecast. Yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, you got to do that weird car wash math. Yeah, but I definitely uh, want to get all the salt and everything else from this past week off my off my paint. ASAP. Oh yeah, and you got to get the the undercarriage because he'll get up there and eat away at the stuff too. Yeah, that's uh, I I guess if you're gonna go ahead and splurge for the monthly package, you're gonna go ahead and use it. Oh, if I had the monthly package, I'd I'd go every I go every morning as soon as it opened. Just start the day with a fresh, clean car. They now that's not great for your for your paint. They say that. Russ, I don't know if I Russ, buy it. Russ pointed this out to me like. I'm not a real big fan. Like number one, the touchless ones, um, you're painting. You always come out dull looking. I just don't think they do a good job cleaning. Right, and then the one that you're talking about, I really don't want those big heavy straps. Like they make swirly marks in your paint, right? They, 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 they can. can, they can. Like uh, my my friends down at G and J, if they're listening to this right now, they're like, oh my god, Houston, no. Houston, please don't take your car through a car with all the it's just whipping the paint off your car, bro. What are you doing? But if you're that into it, and some people are, like when you get a new car, you think it's going to last forever. I didn't. Mm-hmm. 
you hand wash it. I I hand wash my car generally, but it's not a Can't not an right option now. right now. No, right, it's right. Too cold, crazy. But now I'll go through a touchless uh, to get this stuff off because I have heard that. Like even if you go through like a regular one, mm-hmm. anytime like your car's coated with this stuff, it's better to go touchless first because it yeah gets most of it off. Doesn't grind like, it back into your paint. Yeah, into the paint. Yeah. Started Killers of the Flower Moon last Star- night. Started. It's it three and a half hours long. <laughs> That's just funny. I didn't. Re- I, I turned. Out, I was like, let's see how long this. Oh, three and a half hours. Uh, this might. We might. We might knock this baby out in installments. How far did you get in? About an hour. What'd you think? I like it. What's it on? Apple. Ooh, they've got. Uh, Apple's got some good stuff coming mm-hmm. out. I read the book, so oh. first of all, I'm better than you. And second of all, <laughs> I, I kind of know the story. Yeah, but yeah. I, it's weird, though. I read it like uh, two years ago, so I'd already forgotten. I'm like, how's oh, this guy? So it, it's You're trying to connect everything. Yeah, together. it's like it's deja vu, but I know I've seen it before, but I don't like I don't remember the names and everything. It's just it's good. I love Indian stuff. I watched the Equalizer 3 last night. <laughs> incredible is, is that it with good Denzel? oh yeah one and two were amazing i've not, oh, no three is just as good okay these, these are action know. movies yeah remember the old equalizer tv show no oh okay yeah he plays this character he's like retired what super spy yeah assassin. cia assassin type thing unstoppable killer very uh like james bond meets He's a super nice guy. He looks out for uh, the he's the equalizer. He equalizes uh, the playing field for people that are getting screwed over. And he really likes killing people once he gets his... Uh, and he's really good at it. Yeah. So it's a little bit of Robin Hood meets James Bond. Yeah, but he's like a... He may be... Robert McCall, low-key, may be one of the best killing machines in all of... Uh, Fictional movie them. All right. Would recommend. Would recommend. I'll put it on the list. Ladies and gentlemen, we have much to discuss this afternoon with you. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South is going to join us here. In about 10 minutes, he wrote a glowing piece on Nico Iamaleava as he has got high expectations for the Vols in 2024. He's also ranked the quarterbacks going into next season for the SEC. And it's interesting because, like, the last three or four guys on his list, there, there were a couple of names that I've never heard of. In the league? Yeah. Hmm. Which, what, which, like which what strength? names? I, 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 can't, I can't remember because I'd never heard of them. Did you, who they played for? Pull it up on – yeah, I mean, I, like, I, I didn't know the names and I didn't know what school – I mean, it's the – Whoever's taken over at Vandy, um, I think Arkansas has a new guy. Taylor Green. I, yeah, like I'd never heard of him. Of course he has. Um, and what about Florida? Who do they have? It's coming? still Mertz. Yeah, yeah they, they got yeah. Mertz. He's still there. He murked us last year. And Lagway coming in. Who the hell's Lagway? DJ Florida. Lagway. So we'll, we'll discuss that with Connor O'Gara coming up here momentarily then an hour number two our old pal lucas panzica from 104.5 the zone stops by i was listening to him and buck rising 
on the way in today as the Titans have found their new man, Brian Callahan, will be the new head coach of your Tennessee Titans. Immediate reaction? My immediate reaction was neither positive nor negative. It was just like, huh. Mine was meh. Huh. Yeah, maybe a little meh. And then I quickly started doing the the necessary research, reading all the stuff. We do our research. Have you done your research? And now I'm all on board. It took him, what, like 10, 15 minutes before you had me? Full steam ahead, baby. Brian Callahan, the prince who was promised. Let's go! Yeah. Zach Taylor's offensive coordinator the past couple of years with the Cincinnati Bengals. He is Bill Callahan's son, the former Nebraska coach, longtime Raiders coach. Yeah, long longtime NFL guy, widely respected as one of the better offensive line coaches in the game. Some speculation that he might come to the Titans with. That's appearing to be more and more likely. Brian, uh, we know Brian is going to call the plays. He is he did not call the plays in Cincinnati. But as several people have pointed out to me, and this is assuaged to my fears. I don't think I used that word correctly. But Mike McDaniel, Kevin O'Connor, and I, I believe – There was somebody else on that list. Yeah, several others who never called plays before, and, and they've done okay. So I, I think a, a lot of it will come down to you know coordinator hires and just can you – can you put enough pieces around Will Levis to make him successful? Because it seems like Brian Callahan and Will Levis will be forever tied at the hip. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to make a full run with Levis and see what you got. And the minute you don't think it's him, you got to move on and find the next guy. Like you can't, you can't do what I think the Titans have done far too many times, which is kind of limp along with a a good quarterback, just hoping that they magically turn into well, something that they're guy. not. Guy yeah. that might might get you into the playoffs, but he's not winning a Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, but if if he's that guy, yeah. then just cut bait, start over. I, I do think I I hadn't heard about Bill joining his staff. That would be a, a huge get, since that seems to be. I mean, we'd all agree, man. The biggest problem. I mean, that's what basically killed Tannehill. Yeah, you get him and some good personnel in there. I think you're much better in position to succeed at offensive line than you were. There's also been some rumblings about Mike Munchak wanting I to come saw back those. and yeah. coach the yeah. Titans specifically, the offensive line. I'd be okay with that. Just don't put him as your head coach. <laughs> Munchak. So that would be, you know, e- either way would would be a good upgrade, I think, for uh, Tennessee as far as offensive line coaching is concerned. We will talk with Lucas about all things Brian Callahan coming up in our Number two of the show, we got a full slate of SEC hoops tonight. Actually, we don't. It's just two games. But South Carolina, Kentucky, we'll see if South Carolina's for real. I'd say the Colonial Life Center will be sold out and rocking tonight in Columbia. Yeah, that's going to be a good determination, I suppose. What's South Carolina's right? Are they 15-3? Yeah. What's Kentucky right now? I think they've lost four. They are. Yeah, because they lost to let's see A and M, UNC Wilmington. They're fourteen and three. Who's the other one? Kansas. Kansas. That's the other. So, kind of all over the map with those losses. Long way to go. Plenty of ups and downs left for uh, all teams to experience. But we'll talk 
SEC basketball as we roll on through your Tuesday afternoon edition of the show here on Fan Run Radio. Quick timeout, Connor O'Gara, Saturday Down South, coming up next. The Drive. White Claw Delivery. Fan Run Radio, the drive continues. Russell Barrett, Houston, back with you. Tucker Harlan hanging out with us today at the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios of Fan Run Radio. And pleased to be joined now by Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South. Good afternoon, Connor. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm doing really well. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing good, man. Hope you are. And, you know, I was reading a piece you wrote over the weekend about Nico Iamaleava and the Vols. Pretty glowing piece you wrote over at Saturday Down South. Encourage our listeners to go check it out. Do you think that Nico can take Tennessee's offense back to where it was under Hendon Hooker as opposed to where it was this year with Joe Milton pulling the strings? First of all, you crushed that pronunciation. Um, (laughs) That's really impressive. Had plenty of practice. You know, I think we need to get to that place where, uh, look, and it, if everything goes right, he will be a one-name guy. I mean, he will be Nico, and that's what he already is, Tennessee fans, but nationally he will be a one-name guy. But to be able to pronounce Iamaleava with just absolute confidence, say it with your chest, is, is something that, that does take a lot of reps. And yes. I'm working on it now because I admittedly really like his potential, and Love the things that we've seen from him so far. And obviously the bowl game is a big part of it, where he puts up more points against that Iowa defense than anybody has, and C.J. Stroud did 2022, and that guy's turned out pretty well. But I, I love the, the things that he's going to bring to the table that, quite frankly, I, I don't think we saw with Joe Milton. I, I think that Joe Milton, the areas that he struggled were those off-platform throws, the ability to roll out, make things happen with his legs if those initial reads weren't necessarily there. And while I do think that the quarterback run game was better with Milton than it'll be probably with, with Nico, I, I do think that there'll be a little bit of a shift in philosophy. And it feels like the offense is going to be opened up more. And I think we're going to get to, back to seeing this Josh Heupel-led group get back to, to putting up those numbers that we became so accustomed to seeing when he had nothing but top eight scoring offenses in his first five seasons as the head coach. Now, I read that piece about Nico and and the things you just said and the things you wrote. Then I look at another piece you wrote, uh, Connor, where you rank uh, way too early the top, I guess, 16 now quarterbacks in the SEC going into next season. And you have Nico seventh in that list. Is that just being a little bit conservative, perhaps, because of the limited sample size we have in watching Nico? Or do you really see him? Uh, you know, with with six guys ahead of him in the league next year. Well, think about this: there are five guys returning to the SEC who started in a New Year's Six bowl game. So, <laughs> I mean, that's that's the kind of depth we're talking about. There's a reason that I think co- that quarterback play is so good in the conference, and I, I think it's a testament to Nico that, that he's even starting off at seventh. I had Florida fans push back and say, "How could you put him?" and and Nussmeyer, you know, ahead of Graham Mertz when, you know, we've seen so much more of Graham Mertz. And I'm saying, well, I, I, Nico in his one start did something more impressive than I saw in Graham Mertz's entire four years as a starter, including his time at Wisconsin. So to me, that that, that is worthy of, of giving him that kind of credit. And, you know, I, I think that he does have that all SEC upside. You, you know, you, you've seen what this offense is capable of and the ability that it has to keep defenses honest. It is tremendous to see when it's rolling. And I think there are going to be so many moments next year 
where Tennessee, much like we saw in 2022, it's just going to look unstoppable. And you're going to feel like, man, the weapons that he has to work with, with Bruce McCoy, with Squirrel White, with Chris Brazel coming over from Tulane, you know, you get a five-star guy in Mike Matthews. Like, th- this offense should be humming in ways that I just don't think we saw enough of last year, and it's because you have a quarterback that can make every single throw on the field. The other thing that stood out to me in reading your list, Connor, was that a lot of these names, and, th- and this is what happens in the transfer portal era, I have no idea who some of these guys are. Like I had never read these <laughs> names. I want to play a, qu- a quick game. Bear, I'm going to give you four quarterbacks. You tell me if you can match any of these guys with their school. All right, you ready? Hit it. Blake Shapin, Diego Pavia, Lenora Sellers, and Taylor Green. Uh, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. Uh, like who, who? Who? Who's at Arkansas? Which one of those guys? You've already forgotten all four names, haven't you? Yeah. But that's what you can't. <laughs> For the, being honest, yeah. This is uh, this is college football in 2024, Connor. It is hard to keep up with some of these comings and goings. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why Tennessee should feel – you know, very fortunate to have a guy that's going to have a year in the system. And obviously it's, you know, a first time starting quarterback, but you kind of look around the rest of the conference and there, there are a lot of these teams where, man, like you just don't really know what you're getting with uh, a situation like what we're seeing in Arkansas, where they lose KJ Jefferson to the transfer portal. And they're trying to figure out, all right, who's going to be the guy to, to replace him. And they go out and they get Taylor green from Boise state. He's a nice player, but has some questions about him. The, the the decision to go with Blake Shapin from Baylor was you know the, the the move that Jeff Levy opted for after he takes over at Mississippi State they had lost Will Rogers to Washington in the portal he re-entered the portal after the DeBoer staff goes to Alabama there's so much movement I mean Kentucky is basically going to have a transfer portal quarterback seemingly every year I mean that's just the way that the position is kind of lining up for them they've done that now three consecutive times with adding Brock Vandegrift. That's just the way that quarterback movement works now. So if you have a homegrown guy that you've recruited since high school, that you feel like fits into your system well, that you've had a chance to evaluate, I think you should be feeling pretty good about your situation. Connor O'Gara, Saturday Down South, with us this afternoon on The Drive. And Connor, let's talk for a minute about the Alabama transition with Nick Saban leaving. Kalen DeBoer is in. And obviously the transfer portal movement there has raised a lot of eyebrows around the sport uh, there's only one Nick Saban right there there's only one way to go when the goat leaves your school how worried should Alabama fans be about this transition if they're worried that things are going to be worse um, I think that's just the wrong approach to have like Kalen DeBoer will be a downgrade from Nick Saban. I'm, I'm not breaking news by, by saying that because the only way in which he's not a downgrade is if he becomes the best coach in the history of college football. So, like, what are we doing here? I mean, obviously, when you have 13 consecutive seasons of 11 wins, it's going to be difficult to replace the greatest coach in the history of college football. And with the modern context that we have, this 30-day transfer portal window which is too long of a window. I mean, it should be like 10 days. It doesn't need to be 30 days. They were going to lose some talent no matter what. It's just about what they're going to be able to do beyond this season. I think if Alabama gets to the playoff, the 12-team playoff this year, which is timed really well for DeBoer's arrival, I think you'd be feeling like, all right, well, Alabama's still going to be a fixture. They're still going to be competing for national championships. But they were always going to be put in in a tough spot. And the timing of this with the way it lined up after the season had ended, 
and the ability for all these teams to come in and kind of pick at their roster, it was always going to be a difficult situation for them. But they're going to make a lot of moves probably in that post-spring window as well. And I do think that DeBoer is set up to have a lot of year one success. And I don't think this is all of a sudden going to be a 7-5 and five program. Another team that's undergone a lot of transition this offseason already is Ohio State. They bring in Bill O'Brien. They get Caleb Downs, a slew of other guys in the portal. And you wrote a piece today at Saturday Down South about how some of those changes could actually have an impact on the SEC. How do you see that playing out? Yeah, I mean, think about the way that we just watched Alabama impact programs across the country where including Alabama, there were five FBS head coaching changes just directly as a result of Nick Saban saying, I I am retiring, I am stepping down. If Ohio State decides after this year, maybe it doesn't come with a national championship. If Ross Bjork ultimately decides, hey, I want to go in a different direction. I just arrived here in Columbus. I want to fire Ryan Day. That that could have huge ramifications on the rest of the sport, and not just because they have a roster that would be picked apart, but – We've really only seen this opening once in the last 20 years. And I, I would argue that this wasn't even a fair thing to, to talk about in terms of like you know, having everything working in the right direction for a normal search because before they hired Urban Meyer, they were still waiting to hear back from the NCAA about Tattoogate. Ohio State might have the best opening in the history of college football if Ryan Day is indeed fired because you're seeing right now what they've done in the transfer portal and what they're doing with high school recruiting as well, that they have boosters that will spend. And if you lose to Michigan, that will that will prompt them to spend even more. And it's crazy to think about what could unfold this year at Ohio State. And I very rarely will say that someone is in a title or bust situation, but Man, it really feels like that with Ryan Davis here. Yeah, if Harbaugh does in fact get the Chargers job, as it it sounds like there's there's some major smoke coming from that particular fire. Um, it it feels like if you're Ryan Day, you you almost have to win it this year, right? I mean, uh, the other side of that is or else or or what if you don't win it? I don't know, uh, Connor, but it ain't going to be good if he doesn't win if Harbaugh takes the Chargers job. Your new boss is the guy that just agreed to pay a coach $77 million not to work. Um, that's significant. That's really significant. Wow. I am not feeling safe. I mean, that's, think <laughs> about that. Think about like, that. I, that that's, that's what we're talking about here, and that's why that, that buyout, like you can tell me, it's, I think it's going to be, what, like mid-30s or something, like $36 million bucks to bill. Yep, okay. But it's a drop still. in the bucket. That's, that's nothing. You mean to tell me that's less than half what they had to pay Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. So, no, uh, I, I don't think that's necessarily going to be a deterrent. And it does feel like now could be the opportunity for Ohio State to, to try and put everything together when, look, they're, they're a decade removed from their last national championship. A place like Columbus that has 17 top 10 finishes in the last 19 seasons, they're not there to just have a you know a New Year Six Bowl finish, and that's why we've seen the sense of urgency that we've seen so far in these last three weeks since the Cotton Bowl loss. Lane Kiffin entering year five at Ole Miss. Connor, are you surprised that he's lasted there this long, and do you see him getting a air quotes better job sometime soon? It's a great question. Look, I, I was taking the over on the whatever the over-under was when he started at Ole Miss, the people, and I understand the audience that I'm talking to, but the people that were saying 
that he was just going to be there for two years and he's going to go to a bigger job. I was like, you know, I, I think Lane actually wants to show that he could build a program, and I think he's going to be there for a while. Did I ever think that we would be having a conversation about Lane Kiffin in which he is coming off of a historic 11-win season at Ole Miss, and he is entering year five, and he is now the third longest tenured head coach in the SEC? No, I did not think that that would be the case. But to me, you know, the list of jobs that he would leave for – it has to be very little at this point. I mean, think of all the great openings we've had in college football the last two, three years. And yes, there was the Auburn flirtation, which I do think had a realistic possibility of happening if Ole Miss didn't step up their collective efforts. But I do think that the jobs that Lane would leave for, it really doesn't feel like it's that long of a list. Now, if Ohio State comes open next year, look out. That's the one that I think any coach in America would have a difficult time turning down that phone call. But after seeing the Alabama thing didn't line up and all these different jobs, A&M didn't line up, like I do think that we need to talk about Lane potentially being there for, for seven, eight years before maybe eventually moving on. Connor, last offseason, one of the major topics of discussion was that the schedule, do they go from the eight-game to nine-game conference schedule? And um, surprisingly, like they, they weren't able to agree on anything, right? And we did this one-off thing where you have an eight-game eight, eight league schedule for this next season. Do you think the powers that be come up with a long-term format this offseason, or do you think that they're going to continue to piecemeal this thing together for the foreseeable future? I initially was thinking that they were going to go to the nine-game and that it made sense because – I, I was under the impression that it would create more value for that TV package. And in this era of the 12 team playoff, you were going to feel like there's more margin for error. And like, you can actually afford to have two losses or maybe even three losses in the regular season and still have a chance to play for a national championship. But after seeing ESPN's resistance to this and seeing the conference basically say, no, we're going to just try and roll out the eight game schedule for 2024 it kind of has me wondering, man, we could we really see this, this eight-game conference schedule for the entirety of this contract with ESPN over the course of the next decade? Like, I, I do think that that is more realistic now than, than I did at this time a year ago. And it, it's surprising that we haven't gotten to that place yet in the SEC. But at the same time, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And right now, the SEC's model continues to have teams competing for national championships in ways that, look, the Big Ten just simply hasn't up until this year. And I think that the conference schedule has certainly helped the SEC in that regard, and they haven't cannibalized in the way that these other conferences had. But, yeah, I'm starting to feel like more and more that this eight-game conference schedule could be here to stay. It's so frustrating. You know, I, I think most fans, you know, Tennessee plays Chattanooga this year. Alabama plays Mercer. Uh, you know, nobody wants to see these games, and I, I feel like that, that's an almost universal take, Connor, but changing college football has historically happened so slow. I got to believe that someday we're going to get rid of those games and add a ninth conference uh, game, but I, I think you're right. I think they're going to kick that can down the road for a little bit. Yeah, I don't even know that they would get rid of that game. Um, it, it would just be adding the one more Power 5 matchup um, in conference play, obviously, and then you know, it'd be difficult because obviously, like those FCS programs, they they need that money. The New Mexico states of the world that come into Jordan Hare and collect one point seven million dollars to 
you know, win a game 31 to 10. Uh, they, they need <laughs> that money to be able to finance their athletic departments. And it, it, it's such a huge deal for them. So obviously it benefits others in the sport, but it, it is a capitalist college football world that we live in. And eventually maybe we will get to that place, but man, it, it is difficult. I, I would love to see more premier non-conference games. There are certain teams in the SEC, Florida, Georgia, that have done really good jobs. Alabama, actually, these teams that have done good jobs of beefing up their non-conference schedules to where we're going to see more of these Power 5 matchups, which is great for the sport overall. But, yeah, I mean, having those, the, the, the cake week matchups, as I call them, instead of cupcake week, um, I, I do think that it does hurt the sport and it hurts the SEC in terms of public perception. Hey, Connor, excellent conversation, my friend. Thank you so much for jumping on with us here this afternoon. Invite everybody to go and follow your work online at Saturday Down South. You can follow him on X at CJ O'Gara. Connor O'Gara, thanks so much, man. Absolutely appreciate it. Connor O'Gara, one more time from SaturdayDownSouth.com. Lots of interesting SEC football content up there for you to consume we got to take a quick time out stay with us your phone calls coming up it is the drive more fan run radio after this the drive are you ready fan run radio the drive continues connor o'gara saturday down south bear what did you learn oh trying to think where what i want to talk about um the scheduling thing, I thought it was interesting. I had not thought about that. That would be just like the SEC to if they schedule, you know, if they go, if we go to a nine-game conference schedule, it's not going to be the bye games yeah. that get eliminated. It's going to be that Power Five game. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's um, it's frustrating. You you get twelve of those a year in. I don't know why we're wasting one. And look, I feel for New Mexico State and Chattanooga and Mercer and everything. But as Mike Slive once told me at SEC Media Days many years ago, it's not my problem. (laughs) I mean, I feel like one of them ought to rotate that we ought to rotate through the in-state FCS schools. Play spring gang exhibition against them. I've been saying that for years. Sell tickets. Here we go. Only issue is coaches don't want their players to get injured playing don't play opponents them. like yeah. that. Yeah, I've seen some of the worst injuries I've seen happening. Uh, certainly, what was that kid's name? David Holbert. Was that during oh, the Georgia yeah. game? Yeah. Well, that was a practice, but yeah, I mean, you you can get hurt. It's football. Yes. Yeah. You can you can get hurt whether you're playing West get, High School or the 49ers. And if it's if if it's uh you know basically an exhibition spring game. You can set up pretty strict boundaries and ground rules. Uh, yeah, Nico's before. not playing, but it is a great opportunity to play Vison Lang and Sham Umarov and yeah. John Slaughter and whoever else that treat it like a first like NFL does with the, that first preseason game where you don't you don't see any starters. If they went to nine conference games, would they mandate that the tenth be a Power Five game because you've got? Like, Georgia's not going to give up Georgia Tech. Florida's not going to give up Florida State. South Carolina and Clemson, they're going to keep playing. Mm-hmm. So they would just keep those, have their two FBS games. If you have some sort of strong leadership and, you know, and, and we just all agree, we mandate that we're not going to play these games as part of our regular season anymore. And you're going to play nine conference games and you're going to play three non conference games. And, you know, 
two of them are going to be from a power conference and one's going to be from a group of five, or maybe it's just one from a power five and two from a group of five, like whatever. But we're going to, we're going to make this entertaining for our fans. We're going to make this lucrative for our TV partners and we're going to make this worthwhile for pretty much all involved. Do you feel like the, if they're going to give the group of five an automatic bid to the playoff every year, do you kind of feel like, you know, three of their games need to be against power five opponents? Minimum. Yeah. Is this, you know. I mean, if they're getting the auto bid, absolutely. We're we running a charity here. Especially if they're going to throw us up to nine and make us play like a, a 10 and 11 also power five. That's 11 power five games a year. Yeah. And they would only have to play three. I'm Yeah, I'm all for that. If they're, I mean, they're getting the auto bid. Like, they can lose a the game. They can still make it. They're fine. All right, let's play name this quarterback school. Did you read the piece? On, yeah, but I, was, I didn't see that part. All right. I was skimming. Well, I, now Connor Tuck, gave two of them away. T- Tucker, you're in, Tucker, you can't play because no. you, okay. you actually. I only gave one of them away. Smart. Well, yeah, okay, but, yeah. You, you can. But I do know nerd. the other three. Lenora Sellers. Hmm. It's Vanderbilt. <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, it's worth a shot. Lenora Sellers is a South Carolina Gamecock. Hmm. You knew that, didn't you, Tucker? Yeah, we were weirdo. discussing that off you air. You sicko. You psycho. All right, uh, Taylor Green. Oh, God, I think he just said this. Mississippi State. <laughs> we he, we did talk about this. Arkansas. Hey, Houston, you get to stay on the show. You've proven yourself. All right, this, if, if, if you guys don't get this one. Peyton Thorne. Really? I'm afraid to say anything. Really? Vanderbilt? Is he LSU? No. Vandy? No. Kentucky? Tucker, what are we doing with these guys? Auburn, it, he played this year. He was their starter this year. They sucked. I never watched any of their games other than when they it's choked Auburn. away. They were really bad. the Iron Bowl. Wow. It I is January 23rd. I would expect that kind of whatever from bear but oh, houston come, get the heck out of here houston i'm disappointed in i you. hate auburn i'm disappointed in you all right well i have no I'm hope for the last two then oh no come on the though, sky is falling houston russ is disappointed in you oh the, whatever will houston do we the don't know the ability of the show of the league. Is, is just getting battered right now it's january they gotta I'll go through spring back practice off, back up off houston okay? i put my name on this i stand on business you're looking at the list did you know the list verbatim before and you, you and read you, it? And you, and you That's beside the point. <laughs> and before the show, you talked to Super Dork over here. Oh. everything. It's not nice. Diego Pavia. What a great name to it. Diego, Diego Pavia. Diego Pavia. I don't know why I'm saying the obviously I'm Vanderbilt Latino yes. name in a sp- Yes. Italian accent, but yes, it is yeah. Vanderbilt. Up top. He actually process of elimination. <laughs> he beat up on Auburn this past year when he played for New Mexico State. Oh. So with with the process of elimination, I trust that you can both quickly get Blake Shapen. Mississippi State. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Because that's where Levy's at, right? Yeah. Shapen is from Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. That wasn't that bad. Brock Vandegriff, that was embarrassing. It was just humiliating. Brock Vandegriff is at Kentucky. He's got Jackson Arnold, the 10th best quarterback in the league next year. Where was Vandegriff last year? Georgia. Oh, that's right. 
Graham Mertz, number nine, Connor Wigman, number eight, Nico, number seven. And this is a this is where uh, you know I'm not going to get into an argument with the guest, but why would you have Garrett Nussmeyer sixth ahead of Nico? He's had some good games he that has. he's appeared in, and his sample size is a bit larger. I mean, if you look at what he did against who was it? I think Georgia in the SEC championship when he then, came in late. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's done good when Jaden Daniels has been injured, but Brady Cook fifth. Okay. okay, I got. I don't have a problem with that. Jackson Dart fourth. What did you say Jackson Arnold was? Ten. Ten. Okay. Jalen Milrow. I was third. not impressed with him. That's going to be a very interesting one for Alabama. Like, do, can he do what yeah. DeBoard wants to do offensively? I don't know. Doesn't I seem like he's the thrower that Penix was. No, no a few are. I mean, he, he runs. Did. He reminds me of like better rusher Joe Milton two point Well, it's. Will DeBoer try and pound a square peg in a round hole yep. and make him run all the Pinnock stuff, or will he adjust to what Milrow was clearly able to do well for them last year? Milrow's game is play action, deep shots, and taking off. Yeah, I don't know if he can throw it deep consistently. That's the issue. Well, he does when Isaiah Bond's running five yards wide open, yeah, but he doesn't have he, that luxury. But no, anymore. he he can't thread needles. You know, that's not his game. Pinnock could drop it in a bucket. Until the national championship game, and then he had a bad night. He's got Quinn Ewers second, and Carson Beck first. I might throw Ewers over Beck. I think I might too, just because I think Ewers did a little bit more with less. But it's hard to go against the kind of Georgia machine lately. I keep forgetting. They do have Mike just, Bobo. You, uh, just Mike threw me for a Bobo threw me for a loop. I'm like Quinn Ewers. He's at Texas. He is yes, at Texas, and they're in the SEC, SEC now. Yeah. It's going to take some good Where's media to days it. this year? Dallas? Yep. Rick okay. Butler's neck of the woods. Yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm planning on staying at the Butler compound. Call me a sheep. I'm going to sleep in Rick's bed. I think Nico ends the year head and shoulders above all these guys. All of them. All of them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I hope I, you're right. I am in. The, granted, I am in the throes of a raging case of necosis. It's showing no signs of subsiding. You should call your doctor if it lasts longer than four hours. I've moved to Nicosia, and he's suffering from necosis. It's yeah. I'm. Nicosia is a real place, though. Really? Yeah. Where's Nicosia? Cyprus, if I'm not mistaken. Where's Look Cyprus? that up. There's no way you know that. Where's Cyprus? It's the capital of Cyprus. Cyprus, a, a country? Yes, yeah. like in the middle of the Mediterranean. Oh, that's Cypriot, right. It's one of those, uh, one of those Italian yeah. island things. Uh-huh. Okay. I knew that. It, 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 what's a, the big one? Sardinia or Corsica? Yeah, but those are like not countries though. Those are just parts of Italy. Cyprus, Cyprus is its own, is its own country. Yeah, yeah, kind of like uh, what is it? Malta. Yeah, Malta is its own country too. So a lot of bad guys will have like uh, Cyprus flagged ships. A lot of funky stuff goes on through Cyprus. What an intriguing land. It's been called one of the main conduits of terror, international terrorism. Cyprus? A lot of stuff goes goes on through there. You know, like sometimes a, a place will have like a, a nice sounding name or like a really a, a gentle flag, but it belies a dangerous. Oh, image. yeah. You know what? Terrible which place one is to actually go to? Yemen. Yemen. Yemen's I rough. Mean, yeah, I mean, it's you die. I mean, any one of us would, would die 
before the sun went down there. I, I feel like it's a, is it that bad in Yemen? Yeah, yeah. They've got, uh, but they they've I'm got a horrible flag. Their their flag just looks like death. I can tell. <laughs> I could tell by looking at a flag whether or not a guy like me is welcome. Can you? It's oh, impressive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they they've got the Iraqi flag without the crazy like green symbols. Well, look at that. Isn't that terrifying? Would you go to Would you go to a place with that flag? No, I don't know that I'd check the flag first. That, I might have better to get on check board. the flag. It's flag the, tells you all, all you need to know about a country and its people. I'm learning. It's basically a, you know a, a lawless free zone. Look at our flag, the stars and stripes, welcoming to all. Some would disagree. <laughs> I wouldn't. I love it here. What about Crete? Would you go to Crete? Sounds very welcoming. That's, that's an island nation too, yeah, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is that a country? I don't think it's a nation. No, I think that's part of it's part of Greece. Greece, yeah. That's somewhere in the Bible, somewhere, isn't it? I forget where. You think Count of Monte Cristo? No. Are people from Crete referred to as Cretans? Cretans or Cretans? Cretans should just be creatures. Let's go to the phones. Bill is up first today. Hello, Bill. How you doing, Doug? Oh, Titans, Bill. Let's go. The Brian Callahan era is upon us, my friend. I'll tell you, I'm excited, man. What what a couple of days it's been in the, in the great state of Tennessee. George McIntyre committing to UT, and then um, Brian Callahan being hired as the next head coach at. Next head coach of the Titans, how sweet it is to be loved by you. It feels good to feel good, Titans, Bill. I'm very excited about the new era in two-tone blue. We're going to get this Levis kid figured out. We're going to get him some protection. We're going to get him some weapons. We're going to get this defense fixed. Titans in the playoffs. Yeah. Titans in the playoffs next season. Let's go. It would not be one bit surprised if T. Higgins will be a Tennessee Titan. Is he going to be a free agent? His four-year rookie deal is up, and but there is some speculation that the Bengals might franchise tag him. Oh, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, that's what uh, some of the Bengals folks are are saying. So it's not – not not a a done deal yet. There's obviously some time to play, but it's possible. It is possible that he could come here. The other guy that I saw that they uh, that might follow him is Jonah Williams, who was a lineman, uh, right? Yeah, first round offensive tackle out of Alabama. He's battled some injuries. I thought there. that name sounded familiar. Okay, hasn't been great, but has probably been well. Not probably. He's been better than. Dillard and Daly, who we've been working with the past couple of years. Younger guy too, only twenty six. Yeah, might be able to get him at a at a decent rate. You know, I was thinking seeing there if what if Josh Heifel was head coach instead of Butch Jones? <sighs> I believe T. Higgins would have been a Tennessee volunteer. Sure. Sure. He's one of those kids, though, from around here that I think it it was good for him to go away to school. That's what I'd always heard. Yeah. 
already kind of needed to go he needed, away. Yeah, he needed to. He needed to. I mean, it's obviously worked out fine for him, but from just a a football perspective, sure. like I, I also understood at that time, the knock on Butch Jones's staff was they don't utilize receivers, and it was right. Like until Josh Malone had his big year in 2016, like we we just did not get the ball to receivers, and and we did not feature them enough. So, I mean, I, I think that if you're a receiver nowadays coming up, and, and we're seeing it right now. I don't know if you guys have been uh, – Jamie French is a five-star mm-hmm. yep, yep. wide receiver from down in Florida. Uh, the Cunningham kid from Mississippi, all expressing an interest in playing with King George. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we've got a Bolitnikoff a winner. We've got a 1,000-yard guys. We've got Tillman in the NFL. You know, there's already been so much production – receivers want to play for Heupel in a way they never wanted to play for Butch Jones. Yeah, I mean, but uh, the, his whole recruitment was a disaster. We don't have to rehash all that, but, like, do you not remember some of that stuff? It was just what was like, the one Butch came in and, like, had him rope off where he would sit? Yeah, and he, he, he rolled in with, with like, like, security. Like, yeah, and two state troopers. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Apparently. Dabo showed. Mama Higgins didn't like that too much. Well, no, and Dabo just pulls up in the parking lot of where they're living in his pickup truck and gets out and which i find just as disingenuous as botch sure. rolling around with a yeah but the only thing i will troopers. give i will give dabbo is he's not afraid to go into you know what at that time was a rougher you know rougher butch is butch is scared to death i'll tell you what he's not gonna last very long in arkansas i don't think they won a bowl game no, they didn't. No, they he did it. No, it he blew it. Ah. Yeah, it, he botched. Yeah, oh, it. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> he wasted made. the timeout just to <laughs> scream at the officials. He, his face went full total recall. That guy got exposed. <laughs> <laughs> it turned purple, and then his face like morphs. It does. It's the weirdest thing. Changes shapes, and it's weird. his lower jaw like comes Blair unhinged. Linda the Exorcist, and then his eyes bulge out, and he's got like you know how like bodybuilders have veins like on their muscles. He's he's got them like on his eyelids. And he he just goes nuts though. God, I'm glad he's not. You know, a coach. I've, heard, I've heard some of the other rumors, guys, where Mike Fred, where uh, the Panthers is interested in hiring Mike Frable. Oh boy, it's going to be World War Three if he ever with him and David Pepper. Yeah, that would. Oh man, that could be a. Hey, Bill, uh, you're breaking up, man. We got to run anyway. Great hearing from you, my friend. Have a wonderful afternoon. Hour number two of The Drive coming up right here on Fan Run Radio. The Drive.